it's just been amazing to see how every little step has led me to all of a sudden this amazing life that I have that I look back a year ago and I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't give up because that's, that's something that would be so easy, right? Mm -hmm. To just be like, well, this is my life. Okay. But I didn't want it to be my life and now it's not. And I, I could not be happier right now. Welcome to the Capital Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Brinkley. Each week, we hear from stay-at-home moms who earn at least $2,000 per month without having to miss out on any of the precious moments with their kids. I am so excited to introduce you to our guest, Meg Sorensen. Meg has two boys, ages 5 and 7. She currently earns between $2,000 and $4,000 per month doing a variety of jobs related to education. She will be expanding her business over the summer now that her younger son will be attending kindergarten in the fall, and she hopes to be making $10,000 per month very soon. Some of her amazing jobs include being a language teacher, teacher trainer and curriculum development, website creation, neuro-language coach, life design coach, and she has even taught a superhero gymnastics class at the Y. Among those, she does many other things. Meg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I want you just to start out by sharing about your journey to becoming a stay-at-home mom and just tell us why it was so important to you to choose to be a stay-at-home mom with your kids. So for me, this is something that I was raised with. It was that idea that being a stay-at-home mom is what I do as a woman. Uh, part of it is religious, um, just the way I was raised. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Her mom was a stay-at-home mom. And so for my whole life, that's what I wanted. And I was so excited when I had my first child and we were financially able for me to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was just part of my value system, right? We wanted a parent in the home and partially out of convenience because I was breastfeeding and my husband made plenty. Um, it, it made sense for me to be the one to stay at home. And I wanted to as well. I wanted to be that presence in my kids' lives. Awesome. And so what kind of led, you said your husband was, you know, financially able to provide that lifestyle. So in your case, what led to you wanting to also be a work at home mom? Um, So this came after I had my children. Um, Again, I'd been raised thinking this was the be all end all of my creation. Um, (laughs) And then I had my kids and I was like, oh, this is hard. This is really hard and it didn't come naturally to me. I feel like every day was a struggle in especially those early days when they were little. And uh, I I struggled a lot with depression and anxiety and I have a tendency to throw myself into whatever I'm working on. And so I threw myself into my children and I lost a lot of what I felt made me me. 
And so after my second child was born, uh, the opportunity came for me to be a principal at an immersion school in Japan, which is this program I'd been involved with since 2007. Um, but they'd opened up a school and they wanted me to help get things running and established. And they said that I could bring my children with me to school a lot of the time. Um, they would provide food and housing. So we would be provided for in that way. And um, my husband could stay at home with the kids in the times when I was teaching or, or working and couldn't have them with me. And so I felt at that point that I needed something in order to kind of get me out of that funk that I was in. I loved my children and I needed something more. So we did that. And I worked three quarter time uh, in about, I don't know, a third of that time, my kids were with me at the school, which was amazing. And all of our students loved them. Um, at that point, my older son was about three and my younger son was about one. Okay. And so, yeah, that was fun. And then when we came back to the United States, we stayed there for a year and a half. Um, it, my husband, again, being a web developer, got a job very easily. And so I tried the stay at home mom thing again, and we're going to try this. My kids were older and it was a lot easier than when they were babies, but I still found there was a part of myself that wasn't fulfilled by being a mom and I wanted it to be, but it just wasn't. And so it was at that point that I started saying, well, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to have a nine to five job and leave my kids with a sitter or nanny or whatever. And so I started looking into what I could do in my spare time while they were at preschool or um, while they were taking naps or in the evenings after they went to bed. And that's kind of where my journey started. Awesome. And I want to go back to that feeling that you had when you said you wanted that motherhood part, that stay at home mom life, you wanted that to be the 100% fulfilling, but it just wasn't. Did you experience a lot of guilt during that time? And you know, beating yourself up for that? So much. It's one of those things I felt deficient as a human being. I was like, why do I not have these maternal instincts that just want to wrap my children up? It was getting to the point where the more I was around them, the more I wanted to push them away. And I did not like that feeling. That that was where most of the guilt came from. It was that not wanting to be around them. Right. It, despite how much I loved them, it was very conflicting. And, you know, again, kind of flew in the face of everything I'd been taught. But I'd seen what other people have done. And I knew that it had to be possible to find something that would fill all those gaps. Because when I have something that's also mine, and have a little bit of time away from my kids. I am such a better mom and I enjoy being a mom. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. <laughs> that is awesome. And, you know, I think for me and a lot of women that I've talked to, you kind of feel like you have to pick one or the other. So, okay. If stay at home mom life isn't fulfilling, then I got to go back to work at a nine to five full time. That's going to be it. And for me, I know there has to be some type of a balance, you know, and I think that's exactly what you're talking about here is you found that when you were able to work a little bit of the time outside of the home or have a little bit of time that wasn't just about the kids, it really helped you when you were back with them, that that kind of helped you be a better mom. So that's awesome. so much better. Well, because when I was with them 24 seven, I, I, all I could think about was this is hard. 
And, and, you know, all of those feelings came up, but when I was away, then when I came back and I was with them, I was with them. I was present 100%. My mind wasn't going other places because it had been those other places already. Right. And so I had that and I had the kids and yes, you're right. People, we feel like we have to do all this one or all that one. Um, but I thought, well, why not do both? Right. And right now you're doing so many different things. And I think I want to speak to the moms who haven't found even that one thing and they know, okay, I'm, and maybe it's, it's one or the other. Maybe they need to earn the money, uh, the 2000 a month. That's kind of where I'm at. I need to earn that type of money. Or maybe it's like in your case, maybe they don't need to earn it because their spouse or their partner makes enough, but for their own sanity and for their own fulfillment, you know, they need to find something. How do you suggest people start to go about finding that thing just to get started, just to get their foot in the door somewhere? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of ways to start. Um, as a life coach, one of the things that I do is I help walk people through kind of where their life is right now, what their skills are, what their resources are, take a look at the past and the things that they've enjoyed in the past, and look at what it was about those things that you enjoyed, right? Um, so I used to be really good at math, but it wasn't that I loved math, I loved logic. And so once I knew that part about myself, I was like, okay. And I did theater. What did I like about theater? Well, it was the performance. And so it's finding all of those little things that brought you that joy. And a lot of this is, you know, kind of soul searching and thinking and writing things out. And once you have a really good understanding of yourself, then it's starting to look into possibilities. So when I became a life coach, I didn't even know that life coaches existed. Um, I was like, man, I would love to have a job where I could help people figure out their lives and empower them to do whatever, because that would be amazing. Um, so I searched it on Google and I was like, oh, that is a thing. Cool. <laughs> so I found someone to train me and I got certified back in 2015. Um, and it's, it's been a great thing to add to my list of skills. Um, but for everything that I've done, Honestly, so much of it is just trying. It's not about saving up until you're ready. It's not about going whole hog into something. Um, when I started tutoring, I put my resume and my credentials up on care.com. That was it. It took me 20 minutes, right? And you didn't have to have a website at that point. And not at all. Fancy thing or business cards. It was just your resume and your profile on care.com say mm -hmm. what I do. Yep. And someone contacted me and set me up with a client. And I was like, sure. And then we got to talking and he's like, well, you, you do this. I have some other clients who, who could use that. And so then I started working with them and most of my clients are from China. And so because I'm a native speaker of English, all of a sudden I was that in that they wanted. I was a very valuable commodity all of a sudden. And so to help edit, you know, essays and college applications and things like that, everybody was coming to me. And so it helped me build my business without having to do any marketing whatsoever because I hate marketing. <laughs> And, you know, um, just taking that very first small step is what opened the door to all of those opportunities for you to start flooding in. Had you not taken that one little step with care.com, 
I mean, none of that would have happened. And you might have still been sitting there like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> so that's, that's really awesome to think about how just one simple action can lead to so many different opportunities. 100%. And I was talking to you just a little bit before we started recording about all of the things that I'm doing now. And that also started with one little step. So I have a friend who is writing a Broadway musical and she's amazing. And she wanted a Japanese orchestrator to do her music, but she doesn't speak Japanese. And so she put a call out on Facebook, who here speaks Japanese? And I was like, Michelle, duh, you know me. I, I taught your kids Japanese back in like 2008. And so just by saying, hi, I have this skill. I have now met with the CEO of this amazing recording studio in Japan with this wonderful orchestrator. I've had the opportunity to get a glimpse into the Broadway world and work with Broadway producers. I'm now working as a creative assistant to this friend as she continues to define her script, not only for Broadway, but we're also going to turn it into an anime and a manga series now. And she's got supporters and all of this. But again, just by saying that one thing, and if we had hours, I could go off on all of the things that have branched out from that one Facebook. Hi, Michelle, I speak Japanese, you know that. Yeah. And it's, it's been amazing. I can't even express how powerful that first step can be. That is awesome. And I would have to agree with that. I mean, this podcast is a result of that because um, I've been thinking about doing this for almost two years. And finally, I was just like, okay, it's time for me to just put it out there because I kept thinking, well, I need the equipment. Well, I need to know how to do this. You know, you think you have to have everything perfect. And then I have been hearing about so many people that were saying, just start. Just don't try to be perfect. Don't have it all together. Just start. And so I put um, in, in this Facebook group that we're a part of, I put a post on there, which I've never posted in there before. And I thought I might get a couple of responses. And I have over 15 interviews booked just from that. And just to think of, you know, then that leads to another person and another person. And just, and not only that, but also I've already gotten ideas from just from you and the first person I interviewed of like, oh, I could do that as a side hustle, you know? So it's just amazing how when we follow those prompts within us, like when, you know, you saw that post, you could have easily just been like, oh, I'm just going to ignore that, you know? But you had that prompting of like, no, I need to speak up and say, yes, me, you know? And if you think about all the things that that led you to, with the musical and all the things that you were just talking about. If someone would have put a job posting up, somebody that you didn't know, and it had all these things about, you know, being part of the Broadway musical and all this, you probably would never think, oh, I should be a part of that. But because it was somebody that you were connected to, you know, it gave you that, that different type of feeling and that opportunity. And I just think that is so amazing. Thank you. Do you mind if I ask you a question? Sure. Um, what was your experience with fear before posting that in our group? Oh my gosh. My fear was so high. And I just was like, I hurried up and pushed the button to post. And after I posted it, the fear was even more. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, what did I do? And then when the when people started commenting, 
you know, you think, okay, when I do this one thing, then the fear is going to be over. But the fear actually kind of grew because then it was like, oh, people actually want to be a part of this. Now I really have to do something. (laughs) Did you experience fear as well? Of course. Um, and I, I study a lot of neuroscience and is one of the things that I'm particularly interested in, which is that fear response. Um, mm-hmm. It's our limbic system kicking into gear and saying, you don't know this pathway, right? Because that's all it does is it differentiates between the known and the unknown. And yes. if it's unknown, it says that's scary, run away or hide or fight it, right? It's the fight or flight response or freeze in my case, most of the time, but, but there's so much of recognizing that for what it is and recognizing how limiting it can be. There are times when we should be afraid 100%, but putting ourselves out there in a way that can help other people, I don't think is one of them personally. And I think there's so much good that can come because we're all needed. Everybody needs these skills that you have. Everybody needs you to connect our stories and to get them out there so that other people can hear and say, hey, maybe I could do that too. And then that person will be brave enough to try something, which will then help somebody else. It's that idea of paying it forward, but we have to push through that discomfort. We have to push through that fear. And it's hard. It is so hard. Yes. Pressing that button. <laughs> it's It seems so silly. You're like, just just press it, but it is hard. And then the fear grows because all of a sudden it turns into something and you have this responsibility weighing on you that you didn't have before. And people are relying on you, which can also be scary, especially when you have a family and you already have responsibilities. So I think it's being able to, again, find that balance and to start little by little, right? Say, okay, well, I'm, I'm taking the first step and taking a look at it on a regular basis saying, okay, how are things going? Do I need to step back from anything? How are my kids? How's my marriage or whatever, you know, partnership or whatever family relationships you have outside and, and analyze those and say, okay, yeah, things are good. Let's take the next step. And I think as we do that, I think that's so important. What you just said that sometimes you have to take that step back and ask, is there anything that I need to let go of or stop doing or release? Because we're so quick to pick up, pick up, pick up and do more, more, more. But yeah, we have to check in on the things that are really important to us. And I definitely want to get to what we were talking about before the interview started. Um, I had been on your blog page And I saw a post from about a year ago, and you were talking about in there, you know, that you were kind of in a phase of your life where you were really feeling stuck. And I want you to talk about where you've come since then and kind of what was having you feel stuck at that time. And then what helped you get out of that to this place where you're at right now? Awesome. I'd love to. So about a year ago, um, that was when we actually moved here to uh, just north of Austin as a family in the middle of the pandemic, because we figured our lives are crazy. Why not move as well? And really glad I did because I actually got a house, which if I were trying to do it now, there's no way with the market. So we got really lucky. Um, But we got here and we got settled and I... I'd been doing my, you know, tutoring and kind of some coaching here on the side for a while, but I was feeling a little stagnant. 
Um, my kids were old enough to the point where they were a lot more self-sufficient, so they didn't need me as much. So I had a little bit more free time. Also, I was in this new place and I didn't have any friends because everybody was staying inside and I didn't know what to do. And I, I kept looking um, kind of for the next right thing to, to quote Frozen 2. Um, and it was kind of that idea of, okay, keep doing what you're doing for now and then try a few things. And I did. I, I tried quite a few things. I looked at jobs to see if maybe I wanted to apply for that. And I applied for a couple, didn't even get an interview at any of them. But, you know, just, just starting to do stuff, whether or not it would pan out, just this might work. So let's try it. Um, and it was actually that uh, saying yes to my friend Michelle to help her with this musical that got me to where I am now. So one of the things that happened with that is we had to translate her script. And my Japanese is good, but it is not that good. <laughs> not to translate an entire script. This thing is long. Um, and so I asked around to my network of friends to say, hey, who here wants to help me translate this? Um, and someone had said yes. And so we were working together. Um, and she came back and she said, actually, you know what? I'm not going to be able to do this because um, I'm doing this coaching thing, this language coaching thing, and it's going to be taking up too much of my time. So I ended up going with another one of my friends to translate who did a fabulous job. But I asked this first friend, uh, Natsuki is her name, and I said, well, what are you doing? And she's doing language coaching. And so I started looking this up and I thought I found who her mentor was. It turns out I was wrong, actually. So I'd found someone completely not related to her who kind of showed me to somebody else who has this neurolanguage coaching system that she's been working on for the past 20 years, really, but it's been a, a huge thing for the past decade. And immediately I knew I want that. That is what I want. It is about the neuroscience of learning. It is about the psychology of how we behave and how we're motivated to help people learn things. And so now um, I am an officially certified neurolanguage coach working towards becoming a teacher trainer. Um, and another company that I started with a Chinese coworker of mine um, is also taking off at the same time, which is preparing people for college. And so we're running courses this summer and that with the neuro language coaching has all become just this amazing thing where I'm talking to people that I never would have talked to before, but the chance for travel in my future, the chance to really help people learn how to learn and how to improve their lives because you know, our company Napa Academy that we started, it's all about making things not a problem anymore. Um, and I feel like that is something that I want to help other people because we all have problems in our lives, right? And it's just about finding the resources to overcome them, whether that's information or a partner or whatever it is. And so it's, it's just been amazing to see how every little step has led me to all of a sudden this amazing life that I have that I look back a year ago and I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't give up because that's, that's something that would be so easy, right? Mm. To just be like, well, this is my life. Okay. But I didn't want it to be my life and now it's not. And I, I could not be happier right now. Wow. That is just amazing to hear about that. And is, this is, 
this academy, Napa Academy, mm-hmm. um, this is what you're talking about is getting ready to take off then. Yes. Now that your son, your youngest son is going to be in kindergarten, you'll have mm-hmm. to up more time for you um, to focus on work even more. And I mean, it's just amazing. You know, I, I'm wondering, so before I became a stay-at-home mom, I was a teacher. Uh, with the neural language, do you have to have some type of a degree or teaching degree to get started if there are people who are interested in, you know, exploring that path? Um, what type of skills, background, degrees, or certifications would they need, I guess, would be a prerequisite to even being a part of that? So currently, um, they do recommend having a certification in some type of language teaching, um, because right now everything is language specific. But um, the NeuroHeart Institution, or Education Foundation, I guess, NeuroHeart Education Foundation, which is run by Rachel Paling out of Spain, and she is amazing. She's my trainer. Um, It is getting ready to uh, incorporate learning all subjects. And so just that idea of how we learn. And so it's not going to be something that you need advanced degrees for. Um, Kind of one of my dreams, and who knows if it'll end up happening, is to be able to incorporate what I know from language teaching with this neuro-language coaching and be able to teach people everything they would need to be the teacher. So you wouldn't need a certification before, you know, coming to Napa Academy um, and that you would get hands-on practice with people who were still learning languages um, through our clients from China, um, hopefully expanding to Japan soon, um, since that's my language. Um, and so, so having that ability to work in this hands-on environment to gain the skills that you need because I, I have a master's degree. I, you know, worked really hard at my education, but honestly, most of the stuff that I've learned has been after I graduated. Um, there was some theory there. Yes. And I probably could have learned all that theory in about six months. Um, and all the rest has been through work and this just diving into how does this apply to real life? So well, I love it. I'm very excited to follow up with you and see how it's going. Um, and I wish we had all day to talk. <laughs> I know, right? I have so much. I'm like, I didn't even get into like my day-to-day life and our routines and stuff. And my husband, oh my gosh, my husband. So I just have to shout out to him because he is the most amazing man I have oh, ever met. I, I got him. so lucky, um, which I know that that is also a huge privilege. Um And I feel like that is something that is necessary for us moms who do want to do both, that we need a strong and steady partner who is willing to support us. Um, And I have that. And I'm so grateful. That is awesome. If our listeners want to connect more with you after the show, what is the best way to connect? So it's a little bit tricky because I don't have the biggest um, presence online, but you can find me online by searching A-I-D-A-S-E-D-A-I, because that is the screen name I've had since I was 14. I wanted something that no one else would ever have taken so I could use the exact same screen name for every single website. And so far, it's worked. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, Line, WeChat, uh, like anything that I might possibly, WhatsApp, I think I'm on there as that as well, Um, Clubhouse. 
which is my oh. new favorite. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so search that. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, um, Meg Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N. Send me a direct message. Um, I love getting back to people. So please, um, and then we can get going there. Okay, that is great. And we will put the connections for all that in the show notes. Thanks. Egg, I just want to thank you so much for being here with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. This is such a wonderful thing you're doing, and I'm grateful to be a part of it. Thank you. The goal of this podcast is to inspire and encourage as many moms as possible to design their lives in a way that allows them to have freedom and flexibility to spend as much time with their kids as possible and earn the income they need for their families. You can help me reach more moms by subscribing to, reviewing, and sharing the podcast. I love connecting with my listeners, so reach out and leave a review. If you have an idea for someone who should be a guest on the show, or you would like me to find a guest in a specific field, let me know. I'm here to serve you. Join me next week for another episode of the Capital Mom Podcast.